0: Welcome everyone to the Sage Advice Podcast. I am your host, Sin Sage, and with me today I have the absolutely awesome Mercy West. Hello, how you doing today, Mercy? Thank you so much for the
1: kind words. I'm, uh, I'm doing. I'm, 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 I'm moving along. I'm, I'm chugging, chugging forward. That's, that's what I'm doing. <laughs>
0: well you know that's one direction forward that's the way (laughs) yeah yeah
1: that's that's the most I can ask for at the moment honestly like I'm I'm a little stressed I'm you know I'm taking a day-to-day but like I'm doing okay.
0: <laughs> it's a good way to take it. So why don't you please introduce yourself uh, to my listeners and uh, talk a little bit about who you are, who is Mercy West, and what do you do, and all that stuff. Uh,
1: yeah, absolutely. I have been uh, in the adult industry for about 10 years, and and um, I do I do pretty much everything. Like I, I, I kind of have my fingers in all the pies. Yeah. Uh, that's just because I've been doing it for so long. Uh, I produce a lot of my own content. Um, I uh, work in person, uh, BDSM, and uh, full service. And I uh, I also create other content on social networking things and other stuff. And I I'm on hiatus from my podcast. Uh, hopefully that will change soon. And so it's kind of just kind of a little bit of everything over the past decade, I think.
0: That's rad. So you have a podcast too? I didn't even know this. What can you tell me what that's about?
1: Uh yeah, it's called For Your Pleasure and it's mostly I mostly just have things I want to talk about and
0: I Yeah.
1: have things that people request that I talk about and things they want me to give them advice on. And that's it. I just I it's sort of a free form just talking to the people who want to listen. And Mm -hmm. I have a ton of people who like it. I just need to get back into making it regularly, but I've had to take a break for mental health reasons. So,
0: Yeah, and that's reasonable. If anybody's ever got to take a mental health break, you should do it so you can come back with more gusto and clarity.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. I like to be open and honest about who I am and what I've been through and – really you know what I have to offer people which is just advice from and knowledge from the things that I've been through so most of my content just is focused around that if it's not straight adult content
0: (laughs) yeah that's a lot of uh man I can go so many different directions from here um (laughs) so okay let's start kind of in the beginning at least in the stages of sort of your entrance to sex work like what was the the turning point sure. or when did you first sort of like have an idea that this this lifestyle could be an option for you as far as being in the sex industry?
1: Well, I think my acceptance and understanding of what sex work was and who did sex work was sort of or is sort of different than a lot of people's just because I grew up with and this wasn't something I was aware of until I was much older. Um, but my mom was a uh, was a stripper in the 90s. She was an exotic dancer. And yes. that was how she was able to take care of me and able to like support us uh, because she was going through a divorce and was also on Disney disability for various reasons and so I was really even before I really knew what sex work was I was very familiar with my mom worked odd hours she you know had fun costumes that she wore to work that I would occasionally see around the house you know yeah Um, she worked when she did which was at night so she could spend the days Mm -hmm. with me you know it was just like very basic understanding and then you know as I got older I think I there was I think there was a moment where I realized I was like oh wait my mom was a stripper that's what was going on (laughs) and so I think you know and that was probably a little bit just before I started high school maybe that I figured that out when she had already been out of stripping for quite a while Um, okay and so so she it was it was mostly when I was pretty young and like uh, but she had been out for a while by the time I figured it out. And, you yeah. know, uh, she was really honest with me about it when I asked about it and stuff. And so I think I'm coming. I love I think that. I, it, it was nice. It was really nice to just, you know, not feel like it was this big secret thing and that it was a mm-hmm. thing that like, okay, like I have questions. I can ask them and she'll answer them. And, of course, they're age appropriate answers. But it's still yeah. just, you know, so it was something that I was completely comfortable confronting that I knew that it wasn't just a certain type of person who was a sex worker like my mom was a sex worker even if Mm -hmm. I didn't have that language at the time it was just yeah that's what it was it was just a way that people took care of themselves if they needed to, and that was how I saw it and so I think I was Just really, again, aware of how not bad and not, you know, negative it was growing up. And the first time that I really considered doing sex work was uh, when I was 18, I immediately started going to this local dungeon that I had been like obsessing over because I just was I've been into BDSM and kinky stuff since... Oh, we'll get into that later. But for a long yes, time. Yes, definitely. And, and <laughs> so uh, it was one of those things where I it was like a in the meat packing district. It was a little tiny club. Mm-hmm. I had to go to like two meetings before I could actually attend a party. So they knew that I wasn't going to mm-hmm. cause problems. And it was, mm-hmm. um, but it was great. It was lovely. And so I started going. <clears throat> Going there pretty much as soon as I turned 18 because I knew that's what I wanted to do. It wasn't at the behest of anyone else, you know. I I went there and I met people, and then I had someone approach me and they were like, "Hey, I have a friend who's doing an art project, and they really um, they're they're doing a a rope a bondage." project. And I, I know you really like rope yeah. stuff. I've seen you at the club. Would you like to do this like photography project? And I, you know, I can vouch for the guy. He's really nice, whatever I can send. I can, you know, give you references to other girls he's worked with. And I was like, yeah, sure. I think I can do that. And then immediately I was like, what the fuck did I just do? Oh my gosh, there's going to be evidence. There's going to be evidence of me doing these things. <laughs> I'm so horrified. And then I, I just like, I can't even imagine, but I really wanted to do it. But I was also just like, how, how can I possibly do this? Won't this ruin my entire future? Won't this mm. totally fuck up my entire life if my tits are on the internet? And mm. Something I Something to, to consider. And I was, right. And mm-hmm. I went to my mom and she was like, you know, I think, how do you feel about it? Without thinking about how other people feel about it. How do you feel about it? And I said, well, I think it would be fun. And I think it would be nice. And I'd like to have the pictures. And she went, okay, then that's really what matters. As long as you don't think you're going to look back on it and regret it, then really what other people think it's it's not a big deal and yes it could affect like work and other things but like she knew that like I I was gonna have a different type of life anyway I wasn't like gonna run for fucking president yeah so, (laughs) so she was like it's fine and if this is the only time you ever do it especially if you decide you don't like it it's not gonna come back to bite you in the ass it's just not it's gonna be fine and yeah so I was like all right You know what i'll do and she also stared shared some personal stories of like her working at the club in the 90s and doing work where it required photos or you know she's like i've done it i totally like i signed photos for people i'm sure people probably still have those signed photos she's like so but the internet didn't exist back then yes so now it does and things are different but it's you know i understand why you would do that and I decided to do it and I totally fell in love with it. I didn't necessarily start my sex work journey until years later. uh, But I think that was the first time I'd really like, I I did the photos. They weren't great, but I was really, really happy. It was nice and respectful and it wasn't what I expected at all. Um, So I kind of stuck with that idea of like, it was a possibility. And then I think there were maybe like, oh gosh, from like 18 to 20 I think to, to about 21 I didn't really do much sex some BDSM stuff with people I had done like one or two pseudo professional things where I got paid but they were mostly just like partners and people I was dating that wanted to like help me out and had like a unique fetish or something it wasn't mm-hmm. I it wasn't anything that I really considered sex work I think when I needed some bills paid I did a couple of cam shows but it just did like not work out for me and one of the guys did chart did a charge back and like I Uh, losing like a hundred bucks on a show that I did and I was so frustrated and it was so awful um and so I didn't get back into doing sex work until the girlfriend of my weed dealer (laughs) the girlfriend (laughs) of my weed dealer owned a phone sex site and Mm. she was like you know you're cute and you have a nice voice Do you want a job? And I, Mm -hmm. you know, decided since it wasn't my face wasn't like my pictures, that I could do it. And I started doing phone sex and initially used other people's photos uh, that I purchased for that purpose. So there, you know, uh, there are sites that um, people submit photos to and stuff. Photo sets to where you can buy them and pretend to be them, basically. With um yeah, and so interesting. I, yeah, and it's, it's a very '90s thing. It's not a thing that happens okay. so much now. I think, like on okay, nightshirt <laughs> stuff, like a lot of people are themselves. Mm. Um, but this yeah, uh, and some people use other people's photos, but probably not in the same way that I was. Like it was a right. very specific. Like there are sites you go to buy these sets so you can. Sell these sets and like write a story with it, or you can do whatever. Uh, like yeah, and, and you're
0: like licensing their persona for money somehow a little yeah. bit, yeah, which is interesting. I will say, I, I never it's not that i never yeah, knew about exactly. that I, I never even like considered that to be a thing so
1: yeah it's it's it was much more popular in the 90s i think and the 80s mm-hmm. when phone sex was like sort of in its heyday and people were much more oh, definitely, about being yeah. themselves online
0: yeah exactly
1: and, and so people there was a market to like sell your photos to sites so people could pretend to be you it was probably quite profitable for for, for uh for people at, at a certain point but yeah so i started with that and i got into phone sex and i loved it i loved it I loved it. I loved the people that I talked to. I loved making my own hours. I was still working a nine to five, but I was able to like leave work early if they needed someone to leave and then I could go work on phone sex and I could, you know, or I could take the weekend off and take days off and everything was (laughs) so nice. And then I think eventually, I think eventually someone was just like on the phone, they're like, you're great at doing this on the phone. And if you're, and I started using my own photos eventually, you know, they're like, if these are your photos and this is who you are, like, you know, maybe you would really like doing stuff on camera. And I was like, yeah, you know, I've thought about it. I've thought about it. And and then it was a while, I think it was maybe a year or so after that, that I decided to pursue my first porn shoot. Cause I had, I had friends who worked at the BDSM dungeon that I went to and they also owned a site and um, they were like, Hey, we can pay you this. Money and you don't have to have sex, and you just kind of have to do what you're already doing at the club. And I said, Yeah, all right, cool. Because I was doing the phone sex and I was ready to make the leap. And I did it. And I, again, I fell in love with it just like I did when I was 18. And I pretty much since then, you know, I started seeking out professional porn gigs and starting to create my own content and interact with fans more. And it just sort of took off from there. And that was about, I think, 23, 24. I'm I'm 34 at the moment.
0: <laughs> <laughs> okay, yeah, I was wondering um how how old you are. Okay, so yeah, and it's been about 10 years. But first of all, I just want to go back and say like, oh my god, I sure. I love hearing this about your mom, and you know, gosh, I want to interview her um <laughs> because first of all, like it really highlights that for people who have like kids and a family and then it's you know you might be looking at your life and like oh I'm trying to get where I have a job so it's like okay you have a job is it enough to take care of yourself and your family and your kids and also be able to spend time with them and also handle if you get sick and also handle you know all these things it's like (sighs) I'm sure there are careers and jobs out there that like allow for some of that stuff, but sure. sex work is like the most clear option where you need time off. You take time off. You, mm-hmm. you, you kind of have and even just like stripping being a good example. You can yep. choose. Do I want to work day shift? Do I want to work night shift? Like when, what age are my kids and when will I be spending, be able to spend the most time with them? Yeah. You know, Mm-hmm. And it's like that freedom of, of all that. And then to know too, that she was honest with you and open in the age appropriate way, which is like a perfectly valid and, and attainable thing to do, yeah. like, you know, the different things that you say at the different stages in your development. And I love most of all that when you, yep. you know, you had this, opportunity to dip your toe in and, and see how you felt about it and, and you already knew you kind of liked some aspects of kinky community and whatnot. And uh, you asked your mom for advice about sex work and she was just open and and like supportive is, is, the, is the, mm-hmm. the word because it was more about making sure that this was something that you felt confident about and secure about. And then yeah. if you did so, she's like, do it (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, and I fucking love that
1: (laughs) that's carried through I think a lot of my life in general is just being able to you know being comfortable enough to talk to her about it and then also just knowing I could make my own choice and not like having to suffer the repercussion of like a parent being disappointed in me like it disappointed in me like sure I guess there are probably things you could be like actually disappointed in your kid about like people make fucked up decisions all the time but like that wasn't one of them to be like, that isn't, you know, it was just me like being a human, you know? Exactly.
0: And it it just, it is so humanizing (laughs) and I'll never be a parent, but I am very observational. I I feel the
1: same way. I feel the same way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because it's like, you know, you see parents that they make a human and then it's like immediately, let me dump all these expectations on this human I just made and brought into the world. And, and if you, um, don't reach these expectations I have well then you're a disappointment and I just I'm not sure that's the way to bring human beings into the planet (laughs) like
1: no no it's not and I think really also it's just my mom is uh is Gen Z she's like a bit younger and so it's just like she just grew up with like parents who were raised in shitty eras and who had like, yeah. you know, kind of shitty beliefs and sort of, you know, just yeah. it's not that it's like an excuse, but that's just how like most people's parents were from back then. And of so course. Yeah, I just realize that like, that is, I don't want to do that to my kid. Like, it seems exactly. like a really simple choice, but it's a really strong one to just mm-hmm. be like, I don't want to be my child's enemy. I don't, you right. know, I just don't. Yeah.
0: I think the generational aspects is very interesting and fascinating. You said Gen Z, but I, I think you meant Gen X. Uh but Oh
1: yeah. Sorry. Sorry. That's okay. Sorry about
0: that. <laughs> but I think that's very I think it's really like prescient or whatever to our times. I mean it's the shifting attitudes. Mm-hmm. Uh not only with regards to sort of you know, where we're at with late stage capitalism, especially as like millennials and younger, the opportunities being so different from what our parents had. Um, And obviously, like now I'm 40. So I'm like, parent age (laughs) despite not having kids but you know like I can see how people my age who have kids would be struggling so hard like you're you're paying rent for an apartment with a family you're not you don't own a home you know and I mean some people do but it's like and then okay go down to Gen Z like how are they gonna be able to afford homes and just stuff like uh, that and so I that's why I feel too that a lot of Gen Z is growing up you know, with uh, elder millennial parents and stuff, and seeing these things happening, and they're they are more like this is not right. And how come mm-hmm. you know grandma and grandpa got to own a home and have all this stuff, and it's like we just have to struggle to get by. I think that, and yeah. and that with OnlyFans and everything, that it seems to me that the younger generation is more like. Less like, oh, no, everyone who does sex work, that's a terrible thing and you're a slut and you're a prostitute or whatever. And it's more like, well, this is a viable option for so many people to actually get a step up and be able to live, you know, a reasonable life in this country. Well, coming from
1: where, you know, I just explained that I came from, too, it feels like it's Mm -hmm. really nice to see, obviously not completely everything catch up, but like I always – felt really out of place with my acceptance of like, well, you know, the system's messed up. Like my, like I said, my mother was on yeah. disability. Like she was never shy about right. like what co- what problems that caused and why she was working under the table as a stripper. And like, you know, yes. what, you know, I was always really aware of like the social societal aspects of like, what was going on and why things were happening and why it was a struggle or why my mom had to do this type of alternative work. And so it's just been so nice to see people kind of catch up with that just and and to be kind to I I have peers in my in my thought uh, realm of like just. You know, yeah, it's fucking fine if people do sex work because life sucks. And sometimes that's what you have <laughs> to fucking do. Like, it's, you know, it's yeah. tough. And like, sure. And it goes to, and it bleeds into everything like, oh, yeah, you don't have to fucking vote for someone just because they're on your side and they're the only person to vote for. There are other options. Like, you cannot do that. You yeah. can do, you know, you can make these choices for yourself or you can make these choices that are, that seem radical to other people, but they can just perfectly mm-hmm. make sense to you. It is so nice to see more people adopting that, even with just the, you know, more people quitting jobs more people putting up yeah. deciding that it's just not worth it to put 100 of yourself into a job where you're making minimum wage and nobody gives a shit about you like yes. do the bare minimum baby like it's fine as long as yes. you're getting paid to, like go for it like you don't need to so yeah it's just it's been so nice to see the echoes of those sentiments that I have felt since I was very young
0: yeah yeah and you were you had you kind of had the spotlight into that you know to all those understandings that it took me a decades to sort of have that wool pulled off of my eyes and be exposed to see like this is capitalism and this is what it looks like and right right, (laughs) yeah even if I
1: didn't have the the words for you know whatever I am now you know at the time like it from a very young age it just there were certain things that just didn't make sense and that I didn't understand and that people were trying to teach me that i could logically just be like this doesn't make
0: sense shifting gears a little bit you know sure, you sure. about sort of when you were younger and stuff like that and well the the question i ask everybody so we can we can kind of start here and then see where this goes but Mm-hmm. Oh, do you remember the first time that you stumbled upon pornography or or when did you, when and how did you become aware that pornography, adult entertainment was a thing that existed in the world? Like, did you stumble upon it? Did you see some, did uh, religious indoctrinators tell you about it? Like, <laughs> how did you, how it. did you come across
1: it? Well, I would say that I, uh, I I mentioned this earlier, but I have a learning disability, I um, have dyslexia and dysgraphia and a couple other things. So basically, when I was in school, they were like, hey, you know, they told my mom, they were like, hey, if this child wants to read anything, literally anything, if they're enthusiastic about reading, because reading is very hard for them. uh, Mm -hmm. That's good it's good that they're reading, you know, just mm-hmm. make sure that they read. And so I had free reign over books, I, you know, was able to whatever was on my parents shelves, uh, if we went to stores, whatever, like, obviously, within reason, I wasn't picking up hustler. Um, but, you know, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, was able to just, you know, whatever it was, and I, you know, eventually, I got old enough to where I could start spending time alone, or at least like, separated from my parental unit in a very large bookstore. And so my, my favorite part of the bookstore was the, you know, erotic art, section I immediately came across that section uh, because I think it was also you know the human sexuality section and you know that sort of thing and so I was something that just had always intrigued me and I always really liked art and so the idea of like sexy art oh my goodness and (laughs) so I started sort of exploring at the bookstore and I the first thing I found was UK fetish magazines UK Fetish Magazine that were in the erotic art sections. And I think the first one was like Skin 2, which was a a latex magazine. And I was very, very intrigued by the aesthetics of everything and how well put together everything looked. Because I guess maybe my vague idea of what like porn was was like, people having sex that was what it was like i i hadn't really (laughs) had an idea of you know it was just that's what people wanted people wanted to look at other people having sex and so Mm -hmm. discovering this along with like copies of like modern primitive would show up skin to like the magazine i mentioned uh the first it was the first place that i picked up like um uh i don't know if you're if you're uh, uh familiar with the house of gourd as far as bondage oh yeah uh, definitely do device bondage and stuff there are a couple of illustrated Mm -hmm. books that um were made in the 90s that ended up on the shelves in the places i was looking and i found those and really the first thing that really really affected me though i would say was probably that really made me realize that like oh there's like an important adult work that that is also very sexy and pornographic i read the story of uh, oh yeah that very much affected me and so again I just kind of was able to read whatever it's just because reading was so difficult for me so my mom was just like good for you that you have something you like to read and uh, (laughs) (laughs) so there was all that and I think that was much much more impactful than like my uh, visual pornography introduction I think Um, because I stuck with reading books and like I masturbated to books so often just I can't even like thinking about reading something and then masturbating into it now is like very far away from what I normally do but it was a common thing <laughs> for me at a, at a point. So, so really, when it came to actual visual pornography, I would say that genitals generally overwhelmed me, and so the thing that I was drawn to was censored Japanese bukkake porn
0: because <laughs> yeah. I, I,
1: and that was the first thing that I really discovered and watched a lot of because I just and that was just because I had I had a connection to the internet and it was the early two thousands and my mom yeah. wasn't like on me 24 seven. And so I just, yeah. and it was the blur. And then the thing is the genitals thing, it, the, the cocks were all blurred out and that made me very yeah. happy for some reason. <laughs> <And> <laughs> so I think like that was the first time that I realized, you know, and I really thought about like, Oh wow. So someone had to set this up. So there were like, there was like an ad, mm or, like, something, and there were a bunch of guys that had to, like, show up, and then they had to, like, pick a, how do you pick the woman to get cummed all over? And, like, you know, just thinking about, like, just the technical parts of it, and I had already, what, I, my whole family was very much into movies, so I'm just, like, sort of thinking about it in the sense of just, like, filming a production or, like, a movie set, and like, wow, what is going on here? This is so interesting. And so I think as far as porn videos, like, I stumbled upon that and then I think just my real awakening and actually actually where I decided that like sex workers were totally awesome and cool outside of like, you know, my mom talking to me was that uh was yeah. on Facebook or not Facebook, sorry, MySpace, MySpace.
0: Hopefully. Yes, MySpace. Bring it back. <laughs> yes. The there, innocent days of the internet.
1: MySpace was really important to me in my pornography discovery because there were two people that I specifically remember. I wrote an email and just was like, hey, do you have a, like a person that sets you up with these photo shoots? Is it something that you do by yourself? Do you take the pictures? Do you have a photographer? It was all, it was nothing other than just like, how do you do this? How do you, and I believe, I believe it was Rubber Doll and I actually got to meet oh. her at ABNs, which was great, but... Um, yeah. So, and she wrote a really nice message back, even though I was obviously like fourteen, fifteen, you know, and was just like, hey, yeah, I have a person who takes the photos. I, you know, generally, you know, people contact me for work, but there are, you know, um, different agencies you can work through. Like, I don't generally own the costumes. Like, there are things that people make for me and put me in, and then they sell them or this, and she was very nice and very honest about stuff and very appropriate about things and Mm -hmm. that happened again with a couple that i started watching on myspace who was they created content the husband was a sissy maid who was in a chastity but that was just implied because it was MySpace so (laughs) um and they would wear all latex and the wife would you know the wife would be the husband and the husband would be the wife and yeah and I was just like so enthralled that I I remember writing the uh the sissy and the relationship a message and being like hey so is this something that you guys are really into or is this something that like you do just for money And like, is it 24 seven or is it, and again, I got a really polite, really honest and appropriate message back that was, and also that also in this message included like, Hey, you know, you'll find people that you connect with. You'll understand what all this is about and like figure out what you, you know, you'll find other people that you'll connect with. I I know you will. I promise you will. And I remember that being very important to me, just having someone willing, older than me, who is willing to just be like. You know, tell me a little bit about their life and just be like, but you will just give it time, just give it time and you will find people and it'll be okay. And that was very important to me at the time. So I think that kind of encapsulates my, my sort of first introduction to, to pornographic content and pornography in general. Um, but I, I think I just... Mostly the fetish magazines and stuff had huge had a huge yeah. effect a huge impact on me as far as like as- things that I am aesthetically attracted to and just right. also just the photography was amazing and the makeup and the sets and everything so yeah it was it was not yeah. just me enjoying porn pornography but it was just enjoying the creation of art and understanding that people yeah. can make this type of art that was also porn. <laughs>
0: yeah totally yeah i'll never forget like some of the early stuff i was looking at i was already in the sex industry but it was like i was brand new and i used to get this magazine called bizarre magazine and it was british you remember bizarre oh yeah yes yeah that's where i saw rubber doll and masumi max and then last year i freaking was signing with her at avn and like it was just this full circle you know moment and all the latex shoots they had and yeah, just being, like, really visually intrigued and, like, loving the way it looks. And so, yeah. And now, same with latex. Mm-hmm. I'm just, like, oh, I love the way it looks. I love these, like, elaborate um, photo shoots and stuff. But, like, god damn, it's so uncomfortable. Like,
1: <laughs> Oh, my gosh. I've done it times. And I looked so fucking hot. But, Jesus yes. Christ. You get sweat bubbles. You get sweat yeah. bubbles that pop out of any open. I just yeah. I can't. I can't. Yeah. Yeah. So- you have to like (laughs) squeeze out the sweat bubble
0: and and just like watch it drip yeah
1: right I prefer to play with people who are in bondage and and in latex and that's always nice but like me I end up being too uncomfortable and I just get frustrated when I'm uncomfortable like that so so exactly yeah
0: (laughs) yeah yeah, so uh, so real quick that if you you were into or at least watching some like Bukkake stuff and whatnot, and I I feel like I've seen the content of you where you may have had something like that happen to you. Have you have you gotten to indulge in that in your own um, career?
1: I have. Yet? I did once, and it was for my kink gangbang. Yeah, for your kink. That king was Bang. yeah, and I don't. I don't know. I don't think it really counts as bukaki because it what? was like a line of a line of men in their socks and boxers like jerking off <laughs> and trying not to make eye contact with each other. <laughs> like, I feel like that's what Bukkake is like. And so this was like dudes that were fine, like shoving both of their dicks in my mouth at the same time and who had already fucked me a bunch. And, yeah. like you know, so I think maybe it was it was a gangbang. I think it was a gangbang but uh but yeah I think that was the closest to it and probably honestly the closest like to what I would want to put together for that type of fantasy because it's a fantasy for a reason like I think it's super hot but like I do not want 50 loads on my face that is no judgment (laughs) to anybody but that's just like not what I'm into (laughs) as far as personally but watching it watching it is awesome
0: like (laughs) great yeah well I mean the gangbang aspect too I mean that that looks fun so you got at least what four four loads on your body oh my gosh. <laughs> I
1: think it was four or five guys yeah it was that was so much fun like yeah. seriously it was oh my god it was amazing that was one of my best that and like the queer the pansexual orgy video oh. that I did was fucking great and that's about you know <laughs> those are the two that people mention the most <laughs>
0: Yeah, well, I definitely want to talk now about your identity, your your queer identity, um, how you sort of came to discover your personal sexuality and your personal gender identity and, and how that plays into your sex work life. I'm really curious about that, especially. Yeah,
1: yeah, sure. Um I could talk about this forever. So feel free to interject and like ask questions or like steer me in a certain direction. Um, We can start with like being pansexual, which I can only, you know, so many people are so weird about the label and and have so many misconceptions about it. And from being raised and and, uh, the definition of pansexuality, like you're indifferent to gender as far as, who you fuck, who you're attracted to, you know, it's not something that really comes up. I obviously respect mm-hmm. gender and the lack of gender. I just, mm-hmm. it's just not something I think about. There are so many other aspects of a person that help me consider whether or not we're going to bang. So, or yeah. in a relationship. Yeah. So that's really what it is. And so I think really, and this goes back to my mom again, of course, but, um, she really stressed throughout my life that like, you know, Everyone that you meet has a story. Everybody has something to offer you or to teach you. And everybody is beautiful in some way. And I just... Naturally, since that was something I grew up with, was like, oh, this also translates into when you have sex with people and how you're attracted to people. Again, not saying I'd fuck everybody. Uh, it's, you know, <laughs> but it's one of those things where it's very much like I am extremely open to different situations and different types of people and different whatever. I like learning. I like loving and I like interacting Uh, with people and and having people share themselves with me and regardless of, of gender or orientation and that's sort of just how it's always been even when I was very young and this could be me being autistic it could be you know inherent in me in some way but I just didn't understand sexuality in the way that other kids did uh there were straight people there were gay people you like these types of people you didn't like these types of people I didn't really understand any of that and I was just like if someone's nice to you and you feel comfortable around them like then isn't that like what you want from a person, <laughs> um, yeah, and it shouldn't really matter like what the gender is. And like I just didn't really understand it, and I was always very open to being with uh, to having crushes on boys or girls or whatever, and just not really understanding that that was an issue until it became an issue in like middle school or whatever. And and always just really fo- not understanding without having any. There was no one that told me this, but just without having any sort of, you know, any real. I I guess um foundation for it but just thinking like why does gender matter so much why I do not understand it why does sexuality matter so much I do not understand it in the sense of Mm. if you connect with a person if you if they're kind to you if you enjoy being around them if you feel good around them then like isn't that when you pursue some sort of something romantically like I just it was just a really hard thing for me to grasp I think for a long time um, until I was forced to grasp how differently people viewed queer people and even since I was really young that's just how it's always been it's just it's just people it's just people to me and I yeah. I've never really felt you know I had gay friends and I had people who were I I was like really good friends with people who are lesbians and stuff and even then I was just like I understand that you just want to be with women but I just could never reconcile like personally for me that I would somehow discount someone I was attracted to because of their gender not saying that's what someone who's gay or lesbian lesbian does you understand what I'm saying it's it's
0: yeah yeah it's just, just a... you could like for you that wasn't even something to consider it, it was just yeah the fact yeah. of someone's gender wasn't really the consideration it was just yeah a person. Or, I
1: think also later later on in my life I've realized like you know a lot of people have talked about their sexuality being related or who they're attracted to being related to their trauma. And also, and I'm mm. just like, you know, and I feel like personally, like I, I, I've been hurt by men and women, I've been hurt by people who don't yeah. have a gender like and so I feel yeah. like there's no way for me to cut everyone out who could hurt me there's no way for, you know, <laughs> so there's all these different things of, you know, like I I looked at all these different ways that people can figure their sexuality and their sexual interests and, and not that it's a choice I'm sorry I'm making it sound like a choice but people no, it's the, the way that people express themselves and, and choose to, um, like, interact with their own sexuality and stuff. And it just always really confused yeah. me. It always and not in a negative way, like I thought it was bad how they were dealing with things. But I just
0: mm-hmm.
1: it was always on an individual and person to person basis. And I just I never I don't think. I can tell, like, the past, like, five or six years of my life, I've been able to meet other people who feel the same way, you know, mm-hmm, who, are, who are open mm-hmm. about feeling the same thing, which is that it's just yeah. irrelevant. And then I also think that part of the, uh, maybe part of the um, irrelevancy of, of gender when it comes to my sexual attraction comes from me being agender, which, like, I don't, because I don't yeah. I don't really feel that I have, and that, that is what I would call myself non binaries. Sure, that's the umbrella term that I'm under. Um, mm-hmm. But agender, it's just not something that I have ever I have ever felt. I think even from a very young age, if I would have had the words, if someone would have been like, hey, you don't have to identify as either and you don't have to feel mm-hmm. like a boy or like a girl, I would have ran with that so hard and probably have right. had would have had a much easier to- go of it when it comes to like, when it came to just like how I figured myself out. Um, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, it's... I've never felt anything for gender. I've never felt one way or the other, but I've also never objected to presenting one way or the other. And I. I'm currently on hormones. I'm on testosterone. I, this is still kind of up in the air. I don't know if I consider myself trans mask because I'm not necessarily trying to masculinize my masculinize myself. I have mm-hmm. more of an interest in androgenizing myself. And nah. so and that's to do that. Taking testosterone is what I would do. Right. And it's one of those things where I think, yeah, so pansexual and agender and non-binary and <laughs> I guess I try to because people get confused or are weird about like oh so don't you try to be androgynous all the time like sometimes you just you know you present as female in your videos I I have no feeling about it either way just like yeah. asexual people can like have sex with people outside of having sexual attraction to people I can present yeah as whatever fucking gender I want outside of feeling like that gender, like outside of having a connection to that gender. And so it's just my life really changed and became a lot more positive when I completely let go of as a gender and feeling like I, you know, pretty much as soon as I figured out that was an option, I was like, Oh, okay. And I, I realized that, that's just how I've always been. And I just kind of played along with being a woman because that's what like everyone said I was and everyone expected me to be. And like, I didn't know there were other options. (laughs) I didn't know it was possible for me to be something else. I thought I was just like, I don't know wearing a woman costume that's what everyone does some people wear a man costume some people wear what no it turns out some people are men and some people are women and then there are other things too <laughs> they're not necessarily they don't feel like they're wearing costumes like I did so
0: oh what a freeing revelation to discover
1: <laughs> yeah and it, that it you have these to- options yeah. And it mostly just had to do with friends and uh, and people who are really honest with me and open and shared their transitioning journeys and were happy. I, you know, was on the path to discovering who I was and, and people who were open and weren't limiting, weren't saying like, oh, you're, but you're a trans guy or, oh, you're this or, oh, you're that. It's like, they were just happy that I was discovering who I was and that I could, I could be open with myself about it.
0: Yeah. And so what, I guess what I'm like, really, so I love this for you personally and for your uh, public facing persona, if you will. But also I guess something that I'm curious about is when you are kind of marketing yourself. And so not just the content creation aspect, which I think it's easier to find a, the queer niche and settle yourself into that when, when you have Mm -hmm. like a gender diversity and stuff. But when we're talking about like full service sex work and in-person sex work and stuff like that, I'm curious how, Mm -hmm. how that kind of marketing works. Cause I, I know that, you know, in general, sort of the queer market can be a little more limiting. I mean, even if we're just talking financially. So I'm, I'm curious how you like play in that Base with, with your gender and sexuality, and what kinds of clients you you know you, you have, and what, how you maybe how you find them.
1: Yeah, I for the sake of being very honest here, I go back and forth frequently. I change my ads and my advertising fairly frequently. I go back and forth between advertising as female and non-binary, um, as a full-service escort, as a or as a BDSM provider. I I sort of have a, a range of things that I try because that seems to work the best. Um, mostly, I mean. I'd say over the past couple of years, really being able to focus on advertising myself as queer, queer friendly, being openly non-binary, being openly trans, even though it's not necessarily financially lucrative. Right. I have met so many amazing people and I have had so many really wonderful experiences with clients uh, just people who are discovering themselves, people who have already discovered themselves but don't have anyone to share themselves with, you know. Um, Yeah. Just all sorts of things like that. And I have found, even though I was making more money, advertising is strictly female and playing that up in my photos and doing more stereotypical high-end escorting, uh, photo shoots, stuff like that. It just, Mm -hmm. I just... I'm so much more happy when I'm able to connect with people who just, just who are also queer or who are also questioning or who um, are just a little more open. They tend to be a little more open and not that the queer clients don't have their problems. They do for sure. Like every set of, every set of clients, every type, every genre or, you know, um, subset of clients, but, but Mm -hmm. it's so much more pleasant and there's so much less insecurity and there's so much more just, happiness and playfulness because it's just such a special thing to be able to share with someone Uh, but as far as advertising you know I still also just get a lot of guys that think it would be really hot to be with a lesbian and I'm not a lesbian (laughs) I don't advertise myself as a lesbian but they think I look like one and so that's like their thing and I'm like all right like (laughs) and I I get custom videos uh in that like ilk too and it's it's whatever Mm -hmm. it's like I'm you know, and I feel lucky that I, I, it doesn't make me, you know, I don't really have any type of dysphoria attached to like people assuming I'm male or female or like calling me or whatever for work. It just doesn't really bug me at all. And so that's also been, you know, something that makes it a little bit easier. I can still, people are still more comfortable if I still use she, her pronouns and, or if I take a picture in a dress next to the pictures of me in a boxers, you know, and stuff like (sighs) that. So, but I think, I think just, playing up my queerness, especially with it. I'm in Portland, and within the last couple of years, with people being so isolated, and people really like trying to figure out who they are, and having some extra time to figure out who they are, it's... It's been really worth it pivoting towards just working with trans queer questioning and like open minded straight dudes. Like <laughs> and Yeah. Um, and then I, I'm so happy like when I get to work with trans women, when I get to work with non-binary couples, like it's just uh. it's I it's fun. It's great. So I think even though it's it's I think I'm missing out on some work being more open about how queer I am. Mm-hmm. It just it's just so nice to to meet other queer people that are on this same level as I
0: am. <laughs> yeah, you know, in our professional lives, we, we really it's good to sort of figure out what's what you're what's important to you in like life life. And how can you weave that in with professional life? And you know, for some people, it's want to make the most money the fastest possible and that's a completely mm-hmm. valid choice to make uh, and then you know for other people I, I like to think myself included it's it's more of either a balancing act or just an understanding that like I in life life affirming myself and my fellow queer mm-hmm. people is it's the more important thing like I, I feel sometimes you know the money like it comes and it goes and you know, you'll find the way uh, to to live, to survive. But, um, but the the thing about yeah. what what feeds your soul, what like nourishes your being, is almost right. more valuable in a lot of ways. It's really different
1: for everyone. Even you know, from queer performer to queer performer. I know I've had conversations with people who are like no I have to work with like general you know sex work clientele like because it's just too too much like emotionally to work with like other queer people and to have people mm-hmm. like going through transitions or who are questioning and stuff and like mm-hmm. she, like it's just too much and mm-hmm. I as much as I, I love those people and I appreciate it I can't and I'm just like ah I didn't realize what I was doing was like extra emotional labor and it kind of is but
0: I like it, it totally it. is yeah like yeah and that's the thing yeah. it totally is but that's part of the job too is like part of what what we do especially with in-person stuff I mean Mm -hmm. it is emotional labor (laughs) yeah
1: and I think I mean it's also just being more open about who I am has brought me more like disabled clients and uh clients Mm -hmm. who have like um who are autistic or have other things that like you know just make it harder for them to interact socially or to like get a, a sex worker like it's just been awesome, like the the, the people who have decided to trust me and, you know, yeah. it, it just blows my mind because it's so it's so hard for certain demographics to like to even find someone. I, I've just heard horror stories about people hiring sex workers and then the sex workers just not being very nice about about their yeah. physical limitations or, you know, other things. And not saying that's the majority of people, but like it absolutely yeah. can happen because
0: definitely
1: just, yeah are that way sometimes and so yeah I I've had really just really good luck with clients and stuff since being more open and and being able to see like more disabled clients and more clients that maybe need a little more work but it's not the same kind of work that I was doing with the, uh, the that I would be doing if I was just advertising as straight yeah you know, um person who wasn't like open to working with people with disabilities or, or gender variants or whatever. So it's just, it's just been really, really good.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And just fulfilling, you know, I mean, again, we're all, we're all different with what we're able to do, what we're capable of and and the, the emotional labor where we can shoulder and stuff, but to be someone who, can provide for the margins you know that that there that some people do lack compassion yeah. some sex workers don't have that level of compassion or patience or whatever but that's still a gap that needs mm-hmm. to be filled you know and yeah so yeah like you're doing god's work
1: <laughs> i you know you know it's just i i just don't know I just don't know what I would do without it at this point. Like I've just had so many good experiences and like, I just, I'm just so happy. It's, it's very, that's such a nice thing for you to say and, I don't know. I'm just happy that anyone wants to see me, honestly, that, like, someone sees me and thinks that we'll connect is, like, is great, so.
0: Oh, yeah. Totally. I still feel this way. I'm just like, wow, all these people want to talk to me. What? (laughs) (laughs) Or, like, I go to do a scene with someone, and I know we're both getting paid, but I'm like, really? You want to have sex with me?
1: It might have to do with, like, I was teased relentlessly and convinced that I was extremely unattractive in school and throughout uh, my teenage years. So that might have uh, to do with it, too, where I'm still just like, really? Me?
0: Yes. <laughs>
1: so, you know, I uh, think oh it took a lot to get over that and to understand that, like, you know, that's something that I try to impart to people, too. Like, every there's somebody out there for everyone. Like, there's there yes. are people... You could you are attractive to someone. You are interesting yes. to someone. Like yes. You just sometimes you gotta meet a lot of someones. I've gone through a lot That's of people right. to find to be where I am.
0: Yeah. It's the journey. It's just part of the journey. Absolutely. Yeah.
1: Exactly. But but yeah, I think I definitely think the starstruckness, the the sort of still just like being in awe of people wanting to like, interact with me comes from that where I'm just I feel so lucky that I get to have this as a job. And I know so many people like would become utterly confused and like upset by that statement. But I just, <laughs> I do I feel so lucky.
0: <laughs> I love it. Me too. I feel that. <laughs> well, I love hearing your journey with sex work and your your basis of sex work. I love hearing about your mom. Maybe one of these days we can get her on the podcast. Um, <laughs> so it's been wonderful to hear your journey and, and where you're at now and all that. So, uh, and I'd love to get your perspective on a couple of advice questions I've got from my listeners. You down?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: Okay, this is a this is a great one. All right, so this is from E. So I've found that I've gotten too reliant on vibrators to have an orgasm. Before I ever used one, I could use my hands just fine. But now, years later, I just can't seem to do it anymore. So my question for you is this. Do you have any tips on weaning off of the vibrators and reintroducing good old-fashioned hand stimulation? I'm a single 24 year old lesbian for context. I've been in one relationship before and the sex was amazing, but I never could bring myself to come with her without a toy. And I'd like to be able to get to that point. Oh my gosh. I just have a lot of things to talk about with this.
1: Okay. Oh, all right. If you insist um, <laughs> for, for me, I think, you know, it's, Really, a matter of just switching back and forth. I think that there was—I think there was probably a good couple of years where I only used the Hitachi. Um, very strong. Uh, lot- of direct vibration. And, you know, I think, you know, there would just be a point where I would set it aside. And then maybe I would more focus on like fantasizing and maybe like getting myself aroused before I started playing with myself. Uh, and sort of I whether that was like through phone sex through looking at photos, whatever, like your medium of choices, or just like fantasizing in your head. Um, and really, almost sort of just like, teasing, not quite edging, but just like really trying to get myself worked up without uh, without immediate physical stimulation to my clit. You know, I think that probably would, would help me get out of the phases where I was using a vibrator all the time, and then I was switching back to my hands. Um, but then also just being physical with my clit and with that part of my anatomy, like pretty regular regularly also helped like getting used to just like touching it and feeling it and like if you live alone if you spend a lot of time by yourself or if like I don't know I wear fucking underwear all day I don't I work from home I don't really get dressed up for work or anything Mm -hmm. and so just becoming more acquainted with like when you do feel like something brushes up you uh, up against you the right way or when you have a thought that maybe turns you on uh, a You know, um, a little more than you normally would be just while you're doing laundry or whatever, or while you're cooking or doing whatever uh, in the middle of class, something, you know, when you get home, just focusing on that feeling or when you're at home, focusing on that feeling, touching yourself and not even really stressing the orgasm, just feeling that you're aroused, getting the blood flowing, getting comfortable with touching that area and being physical with it and liking it and looking forward to touching yourself and being able to fantasize and feel good and decentral or de- not decentralizing. Cause if you want m- masturbate, you want to come generally, um, <laughs> just you know, not stressing if you, if you can't come, you know, if you try with your hand and you can't come, then maybe, you know, take a 5, 10, 20 minute break, you can do something sexy in that time. Or you can just take a break and drink a cup of tea and watch, you know, a YouTube video that you like, and then maybe come back to it. Really, it's just Mm -hmm. giving yourself time, being present, and and being patient. You know, it's not everybody's bodies are different. Everybody, everybody's bodies react differently to uh, repetitive stimuli over years. And so just patient and kind with yourself and listen, listen to your body. And maybe, you know, don't just not assuming that, um, that the uh, uh, person who needs advice does this, but, you know, be open to, masturbating in the middle of the day instead of only, you know, when you're in bed at night and you're tired and or maybe, Mm -hmm. you know, whenever you feel excited or maybe in the morning, switch it up a little bit. You know, mine know my body is much more responsive in the morning um, versus the evening when I'm tired and maybe it's been like my clit has been rubbing up against clothes and stuff all day. So if it's in the morning and maybe I'm just you know, we don't necessarily get the same the equivalent of morning wood that guys get, but like there's you know, <laughs> it's it's still like I wake up excited sometimes. Like so, mm. you know, it's just paying attention to your body, being patient, being yeah. kind. And then also really if there you know is you cannot get off and you cannot enjoy finger stimulation and it's something that's really frustrating, you know, get the vibrator that's fine if you use vibrators (laughs) yeah totally fine yeah Yeah. there's no there's no reason to try to cut it out if it's something that really works for you if it's something if you would like to do the things you're talking about that's perfectly fine to to strive for those and to try to do that but in the end you know if stuff isn't working out if you're really stressed if you're you know that isn't the reason that we were sexual to be sad and upset yeah about whether or not we can do this or do that so just Mm -hmm. just use the vibrator if you're really you know and so yeah that's that's my advice there
0: (laughs) yeah I mean basically I would say pretty much the same things um first off like it's it's, I love that you say that you're more you feel more sexual in the morning and less so in the evening only because I'm so the opposite you know I'm just so not <laughs> yeah, a morning yeah. person. And so when I first wake up in the morning, like I mean, it takes me like two to three hours to feel like a an awake human being when I wake up. And I'm not waking up in the morning technically. I mean, it's usually like <laughs> between 10 and one. I mean, <laughs> oh, no, I don't know. Um, <laughs> when I say I'm more
1: active in the morning. Yeah, that's about the time I'm referencing. For yeah,
0: sure. <laughs> but some people, when they do wake up, they're like, yawn, stretch, up and at them, you know, I just, I'm so slow going, and so for me, I feel mm-hmm. like it, when I'm first waking up, the blood isn't flowing through my body as quickly or in the same way as, this is, so my favorite time to have sex is like evening, I'm like an afternoon delight, like I, when I'm most active and feeling the most awake, <laughs> that's when I love this, my favorite time to have sex. Um, and sometimes sure. in the evening or, or, you know, one or two in the morning, I'm just like, ah, oh, now I'm tired or I got too high tonight. So i just like, <laughs> 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 but, um, but I think it's good. Relatable. It's good to know that about yourself <laughs> as well. It's good to be aware of like what, what times your body is most, um, like reactive to stimulation and stuff like that. That's a good starting point. But, Uh, And then all of these little tips about uh, I love everything you said, um, being like dropping into your body, being with your body, trying little touches for me, I've definitely gotten to the point in the past with the freaking Hitachi magic wand where I was too reliant on it. Um, I would just be like, oh, let's just just grab that. Just grab that because I know it'll happen with (laughs) that, you know? But then it gets to this point where then you'd want to go back to oral or you want to use your hand and it's just like, oh, this isn't going to work at all because I've gotten too reliant on this magic wand, which is like the extreme, you know, Dodge Ram truck of vibrators. Like, (laughs) I mean, not being a good car person, Mm -hmm. but that's, you know what I'm Mm -hmm. saying? Like, and so... Yeah. So I think if you want to be a little bit more, you know, able to just use your hand or your fingers, those steps that Mercy was talking about is just really, those are good steps. I would say like weaning away from it. And maybe, maybe even sometimes you just don't, get to come and then you're kind of like building that up for yourself and you might reach the point yeah Yeah. so so then you might get to this point where it's just like your body wants it so much that this little bit of stimulation is going to be enough to to help you Mm -hmm. and you know i'll say stuff too i don't know about your relationship status and all this these things but for me like the first, you know, year or two, I was with my current, you know, my partner, you know, we could have V, penis and vagina sex, and I could just reach down with my hand and rub my clit for a few minutes and I was like having an orgasm. And now we've been together for Mm -hmm. almost 13 years. Like our bond is incredibly deep. Our love and our romance and our sexuality is amazing. But those hormones that were like rushing through my brain the first, you know, three, two, three years of being Mm -hmm. in a relationship with someone have all calmed down. And now they're. Much more, you know, they're still sexy, but they're nurturing and they're comfortable, and so yeah, it doesn't get fired up in the same way. And and I will grab, I'll reach for my little vibrator, and I I use that, and I and I have amazing orgasms. So so I think that's part of it too, is just right. And I I remember being younger as well and being all disappointed, like when I couldn't have set, uh, when I couldn't have an orgasm, whatever, like just from penetration, or or I couldn't squirt the way that people talk about squirting, or. In all of those things, Mm -hmm. they're just little arbitrary like boundaries we put around our pleasure or like these, you know, we're watching porn and we see these orgasms happening in these ways and we're like, well, why can't I do that? And I feel like I should be doing that. It's just those are not real things. Those are just, yeah, like limitations and boundaries and these things that we're putting on ourselves to expect our pleasure to work these particular ways. So I I think it's fine to work towards going back to just needing your hand. But as Mercy said, I think the most important thing is just if you want that pleasure, if you want that orgasm and you found the thing that works for you to give you an orgasm and you're trying these other things, and it's not working. It's okay to just have need a vibrator to have an orgasm like that is totally okay and valid yeah. and should be celebrated and should be encouraged yep. that, you know, it, so there's times for me, maybe like when I'm having a threesome and, every, okay. you know, we're all coming and stuff. And then I'm like, okay, now I want one. And I, and I know, because I get a little tripped up when there's more than just me and my partner. I can be a little more in my head maybe. So what yeah. am I going to reach for the fucking Hitachi? Yep. Cause that's how I know I'm going to have one. You know what I mean? So I, right. I think it's fine You're to, right. and want to have a balance. And I, I mean, you didn't mention how oral works for you. You know, can your partner make you come with their mouth? Sure. You know, and then again, it's that stuff of not being too much in your head. Like, are you, Oh, now I'm so concerned with having the orgasm and my partner feeling like they accomplished the orgasm for me that I, then you're thinking about it too much and then it's not going to happen for that reason. So I think, I think the main thing is like taking the pressure off of yourself about how the orgasm is reached. You know, and then you'll get there one way or another. And if and if the way that it has to happen is with the freaking vibrator, go get the vibrator and play with each other and have a fun time with them.
1: Right, right. And I think um, just to sort of branch off of something that you said um Uh, Just a little bit ago, about, you know, maybe seeing things in porn, um, and maybe comparing yourself or wondering why you can't do those certain things. I know a lot of people have those feelings. Um, The best way that I have found to explain it to people is that porn stars are sexual athletes they train yep. and they and they you know we get to pick our playmates and we get to you know strategize beforehand and mm-hmm. we get to do all these like you know we we make sure that our bodies are prepped for the sort of ex- not every of obviously not every porno is extreme but we're prepped for yeah. whatever extreme activity we're going to do um and so you know expecting you in your bedroom to be like the people in the porno it's like expecting your you know neighborhood basketball to game to be like going to an NBA game, it's just not. Yeah, you know, so there's yeah. no there's no reason to feel insecure on the count of the fact that they're, are porn stars. <laughs> you know, it's absolutely just, it's, it's just what they're good at, and they choose to do it for certain reasons. And you you know, yes. I just know a lot of people have a lot of insecurity around that.
0: Yeah, absolutely, it's a big one, and it's and the yeah. thing is too that. As much as I hate to break this myth for all of my listeners, but the (laughs) orgasms that you see female people, female body people have in porn, they aren't all real. (laughs) <laughs> so if you're right, watching a, a porn orgasm. and part of when you watch porn, not yeah, only it, are yeah. you seeing an expression of, you know, very real sexuality, but it's also a performance. Yeah. So, you know, from my from my perspective as a exactly. performer, it's like I am I am authentically enjoying what I'm doing. It's really it's very real for me, but I'm also very aware that there are cameras and that I'm making entertainment for people. So don't yep. you know when you're when you're just having sex with your partner in your room you are doing that for each other and so it shouldn't always be about you know those kinds of expectations of what's reflected in porn cuz again it's that athlete level right <laughs> exactly and that performance yeah but hopefully that's helpful and i would love if you want to write back again and let me know any status Updates. E, uh, I would be very happy to hear about it. <laughs> um, so great advice. And let's – uh, I've got one more. I've got one more here. Okay. This is from A. Okay. Hi, Sin. Thanks to you and your podcast. I have gained so much more clear insight into the industry. You're such a wonderful host that I never miss a podcast. Oh, well, thank you. Um, my question for you and your guest – What would you tell aspiring models why being in the industry is such a dream job? And at what point in your life did you learn about being also a businesswoman and setting boundaries? So what would you Hmm. say? Um, uh, Why is it such a dream job?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I will say it is the, you know, as much as I was talking earlier, I feel lucky to have this job. I'm so happy. I it also is very suited to who I am. It is exactly yes. something that I would say, you know, uh, that is a, a dream job for anyone who maybe just has the inclination to do it because yes, it is. It is very, um, you do have to run a business. You do have to be aware of the social and business side of things. Um, but as far as when I became aware, I think, like I said, my weed dealer's, girlfriend was running a phone sex site that she had been running for I think about a decade at that point and I had never really thought about sex work being a business or yeah. being a personal business a personal like you know I was just always like doing things kind of for other people or photos for other people so I hadn't really thought about that and she really Took it upon herself to take me sort of under her wing and just be like, you know, okay, well, you're going to make a lot of money when you first start or you, you might make a lot of money depending on what you do, and you're new and so you have to make sure you're strong with your boundaries and also make sure yeah. you keep an eye on your money and you're doing your taxes and you're doing this and that and so I think Mm -hmm. it was and I think that was probably around 22 23 when I met her and understood that you know that was like a serious thing that you could actually make a life out of and um, besides you know my example that I'd had with my mother was more or less like you know that was she was in a situation where that was like the only choice she had and at that time like I was I could you know I was working at the sandwich shop it wasn't like perfect but you know, I wish I got more hours, but whatever, I could keep working nine to fives. But I knew that I could do something that was more suited to me, I was more comfortable with and that I had more flexible, had more flexible hours and more potential for earning. And, and so, so yeah, it was around then. And and when I started getting into multiple types of sex work, it wasn't just cam shows, it wasn't just you know, it was things that I had to start organizing and figuring out and scheduling content uploads and all sorts of stuff. So, Um, But as far as it being a dream job, I mean, it is what it is also what you make of it. Uh, If you're not a survival worker, if you're not, you know, uh, I'm obviously this doesn't cover all workers' experiences, but, uh, you know, it really, I've focused the past like five years on getting the clients that I want, the queer clients and disabled clients and people who are very kind and very open about who they are. Want to explore who they are. Um, that was not that was not the case the first five years of my um, career. And there's a reason that I made yeah. that pivot because I got burned out on doing mm-hmm. regular sex work and only dealing with straight cis men pretty much white, straight, yeah. straight, cis men most of the time. Yeah. Um, and it was not, it was not ideal for me. I mean, I made an, I made enough money and I was chugging along, but it was not ideal for me. And I did not, it didn't necessarily make me as happy as I knew I could be. And so mm-hmm. it is what you make of it. It yeah. might take you half a decade to find your way. But if it's something that you really, really love and you want to continue to do and you have a passion for, you can mm-hmm. do it and you can succeed and again, this is, you know, I am only talking from my experience and, and what I know from people that I know, I know it's very difficult for even more marginalized sex workers to, to, to just make yeah. it work. Um, mm-hmm. But but yeah, for the person who's who's writing, you know, it seems like, you know, it, it can be what you make of it. And if you're really passionate about it, you can make a life from it. And you can make a pretty, yeah, you can make a nice life or even just if you just want an equivalent life to working a nine to five, mm-hmm. but you don't have to fucking work a nine to five. Like, yeah, it's great. for It's great for that.
0: Yeah, 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 I agree with all that stuff. So I mean, that's, that's the thing about the this question is, you know, it's a dream job for me, you know, mm-hmm. It's a dream job for, you know, maybe you or a lot of us, a lot of the people I have on on this podcast. It's a dream job for us because what I think, and, you know, maybe not everybody goes into it with this level of consideration. I certainly didn't when I was, you know, 18, I wasn't thinking about all of these, these aspects and elements of sex work. I was just like, I'm going to be a stripper. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, here I am like at 40 and I've observed the world and how it works and, Uh, So for me, it's a dream job on so many different levels. And the the biggest one, the the biggest one for me is I have control over my own life. I decide what I do when I do it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to ask some other person, some other human being, the same as me, permission, permission to go be sick, permission to go on a vacation, permission to to go to to
1: the bathroom. To, oh my God! Right? It's, yeah, yeah. Well, it's, yeah,
0: and you know, no, no, no. Uh, shame to the people who you know work in jobs where they have to ask for that. And and I'm sure there are lots of great reasons why those jobs work for you and stuff. But it's just for me, yeah. like. I can't have that (laughs) for for me and my life and my experience.
1: Yeah, that's why I made my journey into sex work and why I'm taking on like the, you know, social ramifications and I know, you know, that not all of the, not all of the consequences or not all of the things that come with sex work are going to be positive. But for me, what mattered the most was having time to take care of my mother who was going through medical treatments and needed me home while she was going through chemo. Uh, I have a partner who works from home. And if I was working a nine to five, I would never get to see them. And it's just, you know, it those things were more important to me than any social stigmas that came along with it. And I was also, again, passionate about the work, love the work, want to continue to be a sex worker until I can't anymore. So that is why it made sense for me.
0: Yep. Yep. And that's how I feel, too. Like, I'm going to keep doing this until the wheels fall off, as they say. (laughs) Yeah, Um, I
1: tell people, people get so weird. They're like, you can't be in front of the camera forever. I'm like, well, then I'll be behind the camera. But you'd be surprised how long people can be in front of the fucking camera. Like, really, if you just really do a few seconds of research on the most popular, you know, porn terms. And yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 It's not that hard. (laughs) I still have a couple more decades left in me, at least.
0: (laughs) Yeah, same. I know people always get like that, too. Like, but well, what are you going to do when you're older? And I'm like, this? (laughs) who says that there's like some limit where you get cut off like I just don't but I think, think that's just that people way.
1: telling I think that's people telling on themselves and the type of porn that they watch you know what I mean yeah like, that's that's, that's and true. No, no, whatever like watch whatever the fuck you want of, of people of that are course. consenting and of legal age but like mm-hmm. yeah I think that's people really tell I really tell on themselves I get that pretty frequently in cam shows and stuff like yeah. so what are you gonna do I'm like dude, I'm going to do
0: this. Yeah, it'll be okay. I promise you it'll work out. Um, (laughs) But that, but that's the thing too. You know, I, I, I had a time period where some people that were friends, you know, they were dabbling in some camming and stuff. And I was like, they, they had ways to help me out. And I was like, Hey, I can help you out. If you want to be doing more sex worky stuff, I I'm here. I've done this a long time. I can help you. And they did, and then when sort of bad things happened, it was like they blamed me for it. Uh, oh, some no. reason it was my fault, and I was just like, um, "Oh no!" But it doesn't. But the truth of it was is that you know I I just want to be the the helper. I'm like, this is a great lifestyle, and if you want to do this, I can show you the ways. But right but what should have maybe been on me or I'm not sure I'm still, still working out. I was years ago. Uh, but yeah. you know, I have to realize too, that this type of work is not for everyone is not mm-hmm. for everyone. So, you know, I spent so many years in the strip club and yeah, sometimes maybe someone would squeeze me too hard or they'd put their mouth on my neck or something. And I I Mm -hmm. was like, I had to learn about boundaries, uh, Mm -hmm. which leads into the second part of the question. You know, part of that was that I had to learn about boundaries. What are my boundaries and how do I set them? And especially as a young person, it was very hard to set the boundaries. Like I, the first, many years of dancing, I wouldn't get the money for the lap dance until after it was over. And yeah, I got burned a couple times because of that. So sure. I had to go through all these experiences to learn what those boundaries were. But for me, I could handle that emotionally. It didn't destroy me, you know, Right. but mm-hmm. for, uh, for some people they can't, and that's yeah. totally reasonable and valid, but it's just that then this type of work is not going to be the best type of work for you, yeah, but so for exactly. me, it is a dream job, you know mm-hmm. I'm thinking about what other work would I be doing, what other labor could I be doing to support myself that would give me this freedom and make me this happy, mm-hmm. and I can't think of it, so for me, it is a dream job, but again, that's not for everyone,
1: yeah, and talking about just um you know the boundaries part it's it's really just a it's really just a try i mean it sounds it sounds like crazy but you know it's really just trial and error and it's finding the type yeah. of sex work that works for you and sometimes it ends up really badly for people and that that's really unfortunate but that's because we don't have protections because of how society views us yeah and so it's just yeah. you know I knew getting involved with porn and putting my face out there opened me up to stalkers opened me up to oh yeah know, whatever you know all these different things and like you just I was Again, that was something I was willing to risk. I was able, yeah. I, but then also, that comes along with I have really worked on my boundaries over the past half a decade, exactly. and I feel like yeah. I've 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 figured out how to how to treat people and how what's wh- how to treat my clients and what makes me most comfortable and when a red flag is just too fucking red and, and yeah. you know when the money is just not worth it and I know not totally everybody can say the money isn't worth it, but like you know, you, you just got to learn. And yeah. yeah, we've, oh yeah, I've been burned. We all got burned, you know, and it just, yeah. it's one of those things that happens, but honestly, another thing, one more thing I'll throw in there. Yes, it's tough and we get burned, but like, I feel like people who are professional chefs, who are uh, and go to people's homes and see them personally people who are massage therapists people who are interior decorators people who are real estate agents who show houses to people and all this stuff all have to work on boundaries as well and all have to work on keeping themselves safe so it's not specifically a sex work thing it's a dealing with humans in a private space without protection. you know, yeah. a Bodyguard or without whatever, and so just you know everybody's boundaries are different, and you just you work on it, and it's it's a common thing to have to assert your boundaries and figure out what you're allow, what you're going to allow people to to do, to how they're go- how you're going to allow them to speak to you, you know stuff like that. So it's just it's something that a lot of people have to do.
0: Yeah, it's a part of being an adult. their job. So. Yeah. Exactly.
1: <laughs> yep. 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 yep.
0: Yeah, all that stuff. And and you're right about uh, sort of weighing the balance of what we do have to deal with in the world, the stigma, the banking discrimination, the housing discrimination, us, you know, not being a protected class. So, yeah, these are mm-hmm. things you have to weigh. Like, are is it is it valuable to you? Is it worth Having uh, all the freedom and your own time and all the stuff to know that you might struggle to get a a loan from the bank, or you might struggle to find a place of employment and you of um to live, and you might if you want to get out of sex work, you have to consider that if this stuff can be found. It could come back to bite you in the ass in your next career or job or whatever. So, but making all of those, just going into it with your eyes open, recognizing all those things and making the decision for yourself, weighing those, the cost benefit, you know, analysis, um, and again, that's stuff you got to do with all kinds of decisions you make in your life. As for the, yep. the <laughs> businesswoman aspect of it, you know, I didn't know when I got into the industry, I was getting hired and booked for gigs and I get a paycheck and that right, was the right. end of it. Social media wasn't even a thing yet. So as the industry changed and social media changed and all of these massive changes came about towards, you know, 2010, 11, 12, that was when the shift sort of happened for me. And it was like, now I've got to be making these custom videos. And then now I'm opening these clip stores and now I have my own production company. And now all of a sudden, you know, my workload has gone from extremely light to extremely dense. Like it's Mm -hmm. a a (laughs) lot of work. Uh, So for me, it was almost just an adaptation thing. It wasn't like a decision I made, like now I'm going to run this business. It was just like slowly one thing at a time. The next thing I know, I'm sitting here running this business. Right. And Just had to learn and adapt as I went, and listen to peers and ask them questions and see how they're making things work, and finding my own way of doing those same things, and then thriving. And I, I still have stuff to learn. I still have people I want to ask questions uh, moving forward with with my business. And right, but I- yeah, so much of life is just sort of figuring it out as you go along, and. Hopefully, you've got the tools and the skills and the drive to make it work for you. I think the thing that really helps you on that journey,
1: though, is letting go of what other people think. Oh,
0: my God. Yes. Like what?
1: It's, you know, I could not have, I remember the first time, like when I was finally considering doing like a full on like porno video that I wasn't having sex, but it was an intense BDSM video. And like, it was, you know, I was going to be all open and, you know, everybody was going to see everything. And uh, Mm -hmm. I was so, I had the number on a sticky note next to my, on top of my computer monitor. And I was just like, I'm going to call, I'm going to call eventually. And my partner at the time was just like, why haven't you called? Why haven't you called? I'm like, I don't know. It's not, I just, it's not something I can do. And he just looks at me and he's like, (laughs) you are an adult. You are allowed to make these decisions. You can make the decision to become an adult performer if that's what you want, regardless of what other people think. And I- it just, it was like a fucking light bulb went on. I was like, oh my God, yeah. oh my God. This is so silly that he had to tell me this. I am an adult. I <laughs> made his choice, Holy shit. And then I, yeah. I made the choice and like, I just, it's been, it's been a road. It hasn't always been easy, but it's, it's been a road and it's led me to a really good. And- yeah,
0: exactly. I think too, the two biggest uh revelatory sort of moments of my life and their practice as well you have to keep telling yourself these things and reminding yourself of these things but the first one was definitely you know if i wanted to do sex work it didn't matter what my friends thought what my parents thought what future people thought what my grandparents thought like none of that mattered this was my life i'm the only one living it and i need to do what is best for me Mm -hmm. like am i okay with this do i like this job And when I realized like, yes, I love this job. And so why am I worried about what other people have to say about it? They're not living my life. I'm living my life. And that, and from that point, it was like, uh, you know, my wings just sprouted and I, and I've been taking off ever since. And so that, that was huge for me. And then the next thing being, you know, there's other times in my life where I've, compared myself to others and I'm like look at our years and why is this person making more money than me and what can I do to like reach that level of money and da 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 before I just realized wait a minute stop looking at what other people are doing look at your life look at what you're doing are you happy are you are you paying your bills are you you know making a good life for yourself yes I am so why am I stressing myself out and causing myself all of this actual harm, actual mental, um, just wasting of my mental energy, you know, comparing Mm -hmm. myself to other people. I need to look at myself, what I'm doing, where I'm at, and what are my goals for me? Not, oh, can I make as much money as this person? No. Can I, like, how can I grow my business and grow what I do that's authentic to me and my brand and the, the audience that I'm trying to cap you know capture uh and when you do that oh yeah. my gosh it's like you could just you can breathe and you can just focus on what you're doing and and yourself and so that that's just a big advice for whatever everyone don't compare yourself to yeah. other people
1: don't compare yourself to other people and live your life you know and of course this is like this is relatively but live your life for yourself you know I uh, you you need to make sure you're happy and you're okay with what you're doing. Yeah. Before anybody else matters exactly. them, <laughs> generally. Um, so it's just you it's it's yeah, great advice.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and great advice from you too, and just great conversation. I loved getting to know more about you and yeah, I look forward to the future when hopefully we can make another awesome scene. If anybody wants to search both of our content archives can find the first incredible scene that we did, which was just like super awesome or orgasms and squirting. And (laughs) it was great. (laughs) Uh, But yeah, so can you please tell my listeners where they can Find you and follow you, and then where they can uh, spend money to support you and the work that you do.
1: Yeah, of course. Uh, I would say I'm, for the time being, I'm most active on Twitter at uh, underscore mercy west underscore. Um, I am on Instagram at sacred slag, and I am on TikTok uh, under mx mercy west. I and then as far as spending money on me well I have an OnlyFans uh, and that will be linked on my Twitter and I you know uh, I, I'm on clips for sale if you want my fetish content I'm on many bits if you want my sexy triple x content um, ah, I'm gonna be updating my podcast and my YouTube channel soon and Mostly just if you want to reach out to me, it's mercywest at proton.me. And I love making customs, videos, audio, photos, phone calls, cam shows. I can really accommodate to kind of whatever people need. So.
0: That's perfect. Yes. Have a a variety of options. It's always the best.
1: (laughs) And as far as my in-person work, you can contact me through that email. And uh, I do work sliding scale for uh, disabled and uh, queer clients. So
0: (laughs) Awesome. Yes, we love to hear that. Uh, So fuck yeah. If you are considering, thinking, curious, definitely reach out to Mercy and they will get you taken care of. And as for me, you know, me, I'm Sin Sage and you can find all my stuff at sin-sage.com. That is sin with two N's. Most importantly, you know what I'm going to ask you? Please send in your questions to this podcast so we can answer them on the show and give you really great advice, sex, relationships, porn, anything on those topics, and you can send that to sin sage podcast at gmail.com. You spell sin with two N's and we would just love to have your questions and answer them on the podcast. Please tell your friends about this podcast, uh, spread the word out there and come support us. Our various things, you know, we got the only fans and the Twitters and the Instagrams and all that stuff. So Thank you so much for listening and I hope you have just a beautiful day. Thanks to Mercy for giving us all of those insights into their experiences and everybody, you get out there and you live authentically. Thanks for listening.